When I went to first grade, my mother was scared to death because I had three languages, Italian, Paiute, and Custalot. <laughs> Spoke a little English in between. English is sprinkled about. <laughs> yeah. Welcome back to the interview podcast from Millbank, South Dakota. This is Craig Weinberg. Thanks again for all of the listeners to the interview podcast. The interviewpodcast.org is where you can find all the conversations we've had. We are a podcast that is fully supported by the value for value model, which says we create content, put it out to you for no cost. If you get value out of the show, you determine the value. You send that back to us so we can continue having these conversations with people who are changing the world from around the world. Theinterviewpodcast.org is where you can do that and help support. Click on the support button today. Choose your value. Send it back to us. We appreciate it very, very much. Today we have round two, or some might say continuation from nearly two years ago, a conversation that we started over the phone with Bob Tallman, the legendary voice of the PRCA. Bob graciously invited my wife and I into his home away from home, sitting outside the Dickies Arena in Fort Worth, Texas, in the middle of the Fort Worth Stock Show and Rodeo 2024. I had an opportunity to just listen to the mind of somebody who understands the value of the story and understands the importance of time and understands how bringing those around you up, how that brings you up as well. It's a great picture of leadership, of mentorship, of cheerleading, of excellence. I hope you enjoyed this conversation we had with Bob. It was a fantastic honor. Let's get right to it. In the last two years of the NFR, yeah, at the awards ceremony, yeah, you're up there with the newbies. All my kids. Yep. How's that feel? Wonderful. Um. You need to understand that I have been doing this 60 years. Okay, I'm 76. You started at 16? Well. Roughly? Rodeo. Yeah. And starting at the age of 20 Mm -hmm. um, gives me 50 years of announcing rodeos of all sizes, kinds, in... United States, Canada, Mexico, New Zealand, Australia. Um, My first television job was back in the mid-70s with ABC Wide World of Sports with Kirk Gowdy at Cheyenne. I went from there to CBC Sports in Canada. I spent 40 years with them, 41 years at the Calgary Stampede. Okay, I've been 40, this is year 48 for me here at Fort Worth. 
49 and 50 in 2026. I will have been here 50 years. In what capacity? Always on a microphone? Yeah. Really? (laughs) And television. Yeah. And for 20 years, 18 years and 20, two different networks, we had um, the Great American Cowboy and the Great American Farmer Radio Networks, second only to Paul Harvey for stations. One year we had 455 stations at the NFR. So I was announcing the rodeo. Then we would go do the interviews and then get cut tape with an old Ampex mm-hmm. 700 grease pencil liters tape. And we'd run to the airport in Oklahoma City, put it on a plane, FedEx, went to a studio. And by the next morning, it was airing on 455 stations. Wow. Who? Holy cow. And then I would be, that was in Oklahoma City. Mm-hmm. Then we moved to Vegas and I'd announce the rodeo and do television catch ups plus the radio and send it out. Think about this in the late 70s and early 80s when we moved to Vegas. So in 1983, I did 303 performances live plus radio plus television in one year. And it never even slowed me down. So I'm slowing down now. Two more years, I'm gonna retire at Fort Worth and then come back and be a volunteer and do other things. Okay. Um, This year they're blending it in with the Fastback team roping four nights while Anthony and Garrett, Garrett Yurigan, Anthony Lucia, We'll announce the rodeo, and then I come back, and Garrett and I work, and Anthony and I work. Doug Mathis, who's been here with me for 20 years. He just moved to TV, didn't he? He moved to the Cowboy Channel RFD. Mm. So I have a plan. I've got about five more years at Houston or whatever. Are we breaking news here? Yeah. (laughs) When I'm done at Fort Worth, I'm going to start my calving at the ranch December 1, whether I'm involved in Las Vegas or not, and be done cabin by the 15th of January. And we cabin stages because I need cattle coming to final fruition uh, to process for my customer base. And then I'll have a second set of calves like in March. So I'll always be two to 300 pounds behind. Okay. And if I could do any one thing I would be in the cow business. I love producing good, lean Angus beef. And so this is a transition. And maybe by the time I'm 80, 85 years old, start slow down a little bit. (laughs) And in between all of this, (laughs) for the last four years, when the COVID thing hit, Mm -hmm. March 8th, 2019. 20. 20. They shut us down at yep. Houston on the 8th of March. We ran into it six perfs, sent us home. We went and got a real estate license. Oh, that's when that started? Yeah, Phil Sanders, my real estate partner, and I. He has built two of the most major pipelines for gas and oil from Nevada and Utah clear to Pennsylvania. In his lifetime, he's a landman. But he is also a brilliant computer guy. Mm. And so... I find them, they come to me because of the notoriety that I have. And we got 
we've sold land, put together deals, <clears throat> mostly ranch lands, 20 to 200 acre places. Now uh, we sell some houses because people come, they want to move here. Mm-hmm. My son-in-law builds him a barn dominium uh, in his construction company, Daniel Pinnell. And then we got off in the solar business. My best friend in life is a guy named Ralph Miller. He's 93 years old, works every day, runs a caterpillar, a maintainer, backhoes, trackhoes, rides a horse, and they run a couple, 3,000 head of cattle out west. So we went to gobbling up their land and leasing it to major companies that build solar farms in not acres, sections. So comparison, how big is that? A section, 640 acres. Holy cow. Eight sections is a little one. So does that... 12 sections, almost 10,000 acres. Is, is there enough land out there that you're not taking it away from other useful oh, no. pieces? There's land out there. You can't run 22 cows to this, to 10 sections. Really? So is Now, the, the other thing is, now you understand this, wind and solar energy, green energy services, mm-hmm. have been compliant with the environment for 40 years. I remember in California 50 years ago when I lived there, when they started putting up those first wind towers uh, east of Oakland, mm-hmm. south of the Bay Area, yep. and people have fought them and fought them and fought them with the wasteful allowance of wasting power. In America, we waste, waste, waste energy. Um, I I don't waste anything. I am an old hoarder, and I believe in use and reuse. And uh, can I get you some better light? Got to take care of Sarah Lee, my donut girl. There you go. <laughs> oh, we're on air, aren't we? <laughs> That's all right. That's all right. This is good. Um. She's a great pie so maker, though. when you mix and mingle uh-huh. and see how all that works, and Kristen and I have been married 54 years. I have drugged this woman from Clemens, California, where we used to live when I first started in the rodeo business, to Reno, Nevada, to Baker City, Oregon, to Keating, Oregon, to Texas. And this woman was born and raised in a La Cunata, Pasadena, California. Mm. The day I married her, she could spell rodeo, and the next day she was one. <laughs> she had and no choice. Both feet jump in. She's as good a hand to horseback. You can see it in the pictures. Uh-huh. As good a hand to horseback in the mountains in Oregon at six, 8,000 feet as you'd want to have. We have one daughter. That daughter and Daniel Pinnell, my barn builder, uh, we have grandkids about to turn 16. And they participate in everything we do. We are a family-run operation, seven generations deep. Was that uh, intentional on your part? Did, did you want it that way or it just happened? That's interesting. And in all the interviews that I do, to be honest and truthful, you know, when your kids, I'm very blessed my son-in-law and my daughter met in church, Greenwood Baptist Church, Weatherford, Texas. Uh, they've been married 20 years. And he's a workaholic. 
my grandkids, when they were five, six, seven years old, could run a skid steer, a sky reach. They know how to weld. The welder, I, one of the two welders I use on the ranch was made in 1966. When I was still kicking. When I, oh yeah, runs perfect. <laughs> but I also have a young man, uh, been with me 26 years, Hispanic, and he runs the ranch. Right. My wife runs the other businesses. And Daniel, he builds and runs. Um, my real estate partner, Phil Sanders, is so well diverse in the land management business as a landman. Uh, spent a lot of his life in Gillette, Wyoming, all that country buying land, mm -hmm. buying it right away for land. And he's my geek. <laughs> They're good to have. He's a lot like you. <laughs> Put all these cords together. But we live in a commune out in the country and we live life to its fullest and people come from town. I've got a big longhorn steer that you can feed by hand. We've got donkeys in miniature burrows. So it's run. a sideshow. Okay, it's, got a little circus going on. It's a menagerie. That's awesome. <laughs> but our primary deal is to fight Mother Nature um, and raise beef. Mm. And people go, well, I buy it at HEB Central Market. I buy it at Brookshire's. I buy it at Albertson's. You know, I buy beef. And... They don't know where that beef comes from. Probably uh, Australia or somewhere else. Mexico. Mm -hmm. 44 Farms probably has the best beef program in the world. Really? And they're a brilliant run operation. But their best beef goes to restaurants. The next beef goes to Walmart. But I don't know where some of that other beef comes from. Mm -hmm. And I'm not going to knock retailers because they feed the world. But I know... Um, Right to your right is a list of set of genetics of cattle I've had now in Texas for 30 years. So I can so take. You've got the lines. I've totally got the known. genetic lines pat down mm. the way we want them to produce good lean beef, more meat, less fat, higher in calories. And now this is a test because we own, I feed a 16 grain corn mix to finish these calves, 120 days. And we don't just go to the pasture and go, oh, he looks good, let's butcher him today. No. But the, up until that point, they are But I know what his older pasture. brothers and sisters yeah. have done, and we raise our own heifers for replacement. So you add that, the real estate business, and then this rodeo thing. Thank you, Jesus, you know, for 50 years. But... Um, there's a lot of young guys out there that can announce rodeos and they deserve a chance too. when I started, I was a kid and all the older guys and they were wondering when is he going to get the hell out of here? Well, I just went on and was, you know, you wouldn't leave. Yeah. <clears throat> For those of you that are listening, we're watching the Green Bay Packers put the whoop ass on the Dallas Cowboys right now with the sound off. Yeah. This is January uh, 14, 2024. Here in the middle of downtown Fort Worth apocalypse. Yeah, it's five below zero outside. 
It'll only last about four days, though. Enough. When you get home to Minneapolis, I promise you, you'll experience some cold. I want to come back. But it's fun watching people drive on ice and snow here. I mean, it's entertaining. It's like bumper cars. Well, my concern is every, it seems like every road from here to Dallas is above the ground. That yeah, has got to freeze from the so, underneath. Absolutely. That's got to freeze so quick. Well, they sand them, they spray them, and that lasts about six, seven days. Wow. It's good now. That's nuts. I am a born and raised Nevadan. I've lived in California, Montana, Oregon, and Texas. I'd okay. say ask which one's the best, but is that, an, is that a safe question? Yeah, it is. Um, my family started in 1895 when my great-great-uncle, um, I'll show you the pictures, came from Switzerland, Italy, through Ellis Island. My mother and my grandmother came through there off a 35-day freighter ride oh, in Italy uh, to New York, to Ellis Island. And they came to California and then came to Nevada, where I was raised. And I've always lived with a large family group. And um, I believe that there is safety in groups. Mm -hmm. So we have always had lots of people on ranches where we've lived. And I've spent most of my time gone, but I always knew that there was somebody there to take care of my family unit. And uh, the greatest device in the world that anybody ever put together was a cell phone. Mm -hmm. The first one I had was a Motorola bag phone. <laughs> and you had to get to 4,000 feet on the mountainside to get it to work. Yeah. And then cell phones are what they do. I'm very dependent on it. And um, I email a little. I get emails, 40 emails, texts a day. Uh, I need it in business and rodeo. Um, I can do everything in this coach that I need to do with electronic printer and email. And I'm a menagerie. The people that I surround myself with are menagerie proof. Mm. And we all learn how to do it mobile and please the end result, which is the public. I mean, they're telling them a story in a rodeo arena at Fort Worth and on to Houston, NRG Stadium, out to Red Bluff, California, back to Texas, back to Reno, uh, 40 years at Calgary. Now I go to Colorado Springs to the NFR Open. And then I slow down in August and then kick her back in in September, slow down a little bit in November. I love going, doing what I do. I hate to travel because we have become so dependent on airlines and quality of vehicles and the quality of our vehicles have gone to hell in a handbasket. The price hasn't. <laughs> nope. <laughs> and air travel has tripled. Mm-hmm. And I'm not afraid of airplanes, but it's the airline people. And this is a podcast and it's live. <laughs> and you airline people are rude. Yeah, we ran into that so just coming here. Yeah, they're very rude. 
We owe them, they think. Yeah. And I'm paying to sit in that seat. See, I didn't know it was hard to be kind. I guess I didn't understand that. Well, here's the, it's like everything else. They're not, they don't put faith in Jesus Christ that I live with. I pray 30 times a day, maybe 40, some. <laughs> I never end or start the day without a faith-based moment. I've got this new thing that I talk about in some of my prayers that I do live and on television about, give me 15. Yeah. Give me 15 seconds for the Lord when your feet hit the floor in the morning or while you're still in a prone position. I don't care what you say. Give me 15 seconds. Mm. Go on with your day. Do not end your day without giving the Lord 15 seconds. It's 30 seconds in a day. It'll expand to maybe two minutes, three minutes. Sometimes it expands more. I'm big on faith-based Bible churches. And uh, I was raised in Catholicism in a Catholic church. Became a Baptist when I came to Texas. I think they got better music than the Catholic. I was going to say, that's a little transition. <laughs> well, it just worked that way. Mm -hmm. But I still go to Catholic Mass yeah. occasionally because I like the old tradition of the high priest. On the other hand, what you profess that you don't live is hypocritical. If you profess it, live it. And the blessings, I promise you, are tenfold. I'm not going to preach to you. You just did. That's good. Um, it's so simple. Yeah. And it's free. All you got to do is raise your hand, receive the Holy Spirit. You're in. It's tough for a lot of people to do. Why? Dedication. Lack of it. And if you aren't raised, you know, faith-based, it's very difficult. Our educational system has tried to take it away from us for years. <clears throat> when they took the flag off the classroom, a prayer out of school. <clears throat> I have friends of all colors. I have Muslim friends. I have friends in many countries. Um, what we have done in the world today of becoming racist, it really upsets me. We are a people. God's children, and you should respect their views and values, even if you totally disagree, but at least learn and respect them. Well, it kind of goes back to being kind. Isn't that you really said the that foundation? That was your first word. <laughs> <clears throat> if it's not tradition in your upbringing, in your home, in your business, and in your daily efforts, it's easy to become rude and not kind. So that means it is important to have family. Totally. Big groups around us. Yes. Is, that, is that protection, perhaps? Um, I don't think it's as much protection as it is self-satisfaction. Mm. And it gives, gives you a safety net. Mm -hmm. And a lot of young people today don't know how to ask <laughs> for help. Yeah. And they run into roadblocks constantly. Has the this new phenomenon in society of living your own truth been part of the problem? 
the idea that truth is now no longer um, settled. It's fluid. The media has done that to us. Want to lay blame somewhere? What's the fix for it? The media is not kind. And you can't say that they're trustworthy. (laughs) Okay? They play the games of big this, big that, big something else. Who's buying the ads? It's become a game, a number, a numbers game about money. And if money is your derivative to total success and happiness, you'll never find either. I know a lot of people that are quiet, silent, faith-based. They can balance the numbers that doesn't create envy from others. Envy, jealousy takes kindness out of people. Want to talk about rodeo? How'd it go last night? Awesome. Yeah. 9,200 people packed. Same the night before. Ranch rodeo. I know. I wanted to be there so bad and sold out. It was... uh... You and I talked about this. I failed you. (laughs) That's... Um, This is where the basics... Yeah of rodeo came from. There was always a horse that couldn't be rode, and there was always a guy that bet 20 bucks he couldn't be thrown. The roping, the riding, the livestock industry. It's the only sport in the world that comes from the basics of a Western lifestyle. Now, I am blessed to have been raised in a Western lifestyle. I went to a one-room schoolhouse. One teacher, pot belly stove, no electricity. So we got there when the sun was up and we left before the sun went down. Just to get home in time? When the bus ran. Mm. In a country in northern Nevada in Humboldt County where there were no fences. Everybody run your cows in common. April, school was over because we had turnout cattle. Was everything just branded properly? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So no no strife between ranchers? Very little. Really? If any. Trust. Mm. Okay. Some guys had 300 cows, some had 600 cows, some had 1,000. And cattle will, they're, they're herd bound. And so how you graze them and where you go in the spring for good grass, mm-hmm. normally the calving would have been done. So you take a pair, a mom, and a baby. Sometimes the calves were already branded. Sometimes they weren't. All your horses ran together in a remuda. And everything started before daylight. And sometimes ended after dark. You did everything a horseback. There'd be a few pickups around. And then bobtail trucks. There weren't any house horse trailers. Mm. Um, You learned how to get along to survive. And we lived right on the border of the Paiute Indian Reservation, McDermott, Nevada, and Oregon. And so I was raised with Paiute Indian families. When I went to first grade, my mother was scared to death because I had three languages, Italian, Paiute, 
and cussed a lot. <laughs> Spoke a little English in between. English is sprinkled about. <laughs> yeah. And I was five years old. And I wanted to go to school because all the other kids went. Mm -hmm. And it was a opportunity to get together with other kids. Because mm. when you live on, on them kind of cow outfits like that out west and up north, kids work just like their mom and dad. And I was four the first time I ever remember four or five going to a rodeo. And my dad was an old wild horse racer and he could ride Bronx, kind of. And so it was just, you work together, you play together, you lied and died, buried, got buried together. Um, if we just pull one of these segments out for this interview, I can give you, you know, two hours on the amenities of being raised that way. Well, I was 10 years old before I ever had a bicycle. I rode a horse. Mm. Okay, and it was a bicycle that came out of a big department store fire. And it wasn't all, it was like Johnny Cash's 57, <laughs> you know, <laughs> Cadillacs and Ants at DeVille. And I didn't ride a bike well. When we moved to town, my dad had a horse buck him off, break his back. And he just couldn't do it anymore. Mm -hmm. I watched him try to do it all one summer, putting up hay with horse mules, implements, then he got a tractor, but we moved to town. I didn't know how to play marbles. Entertainment, when I was a kid at school, was a windmill. Really? <laughs> yeah, the teacher would put the brake on it and stop it, and those kids would crawl up two sides, get a hold of it through the fan blades. What? Hold on to each other's hands, yeah. And she'd crank her loose, turn her around, around, you'd go. Started to get dizzy, she'd crank her down, let you down off of it. We played kick to can and Annie I over. <laughs> Till somebody broke a window out of the schoolroom. And um, we didn't have toys that other kids had in school. So when I got in the fifth grade and I moved to town, kids rode their bike to school. I didn't ride my bike very well. And I got a better bike. I didn't know how to play marbles. I didn't know how to play baseball. I'd never done that stuff. Did you enjoy seeing it? Like, did you feel like you were missing out? No. Um, it really intimidated me mm. because 99% of those kids in that school, public school, had never rode a horse. Mm -hmm. And that's all I'd ever done. They had seen television long before I did. They understood the man on the five o'clock news. I remember a big Sylvania television with a white deal around it. Yeah. And the man on the five o'clock news came. I thought he was God. <laughs> it was frightening. Yeah. And he wasn't in the room, but you could watch him. Yeah. And he's sitting there in a suit and tie with smoking a cigarette. And I'm going, what has this world come to? Well, then my dad bought a lumber yard. And being not afraid of anything, I learned how to drive forklifts and delivery trucks. I was 17 years old before I ever got a driver's license because you didn't need one. Right. You just went and did it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but the greatest memories I have is being raised the way I was raised. Mm. And then when I went to college at Cal Poly in 1966, the fall of, that was in California, 13 hours away. Oh, my God. A whole new world. 
had you ever been away from the the ranch oh, much? Yeah. I was 12 and I went to San Francisco the first time, mm-hmm. my favorite city in the whole world. And, and my mom and dad took me to the Cow Palace to the rodeo. And I met all the champions, Cotton Rosser mm-hmm. as a rodeo producer. So now I thought he was God. <laughs> you can take the kid out of the country, but you can't take the country out of the kid. I remember walking downtown Geneva Avenue to downtown San Francisco at 10 o'clock at night, 12 years old, by myself, talking to people. When I was 14, I won a 4-H horsemanship award, flew from Reno to Denver, Denver to Chicago, stayed in the Conrad Hilton Hotel right on Lake Michigan. Everybody else at 9 o'clock, 10 o'clock, I'd get up midnight, and I'd go down in the alley with the old bums because <laughs> I was stealing cigarettes off the airplane, you know, them little five-packs. <laughs> I'd go down there and the give airplane. them guys some cigarettes, <laughs> and they were down there drinking Rio Needy wine, whatever it was, and i just fit right in. <laughs> Not to drink the wine, but, you know, I mean, sure. I had no fear of people. Mm-hmm. And it changed my life again. I played football as a freshman in high school for three days. I stood 5'1", weighed 105 pounds. I was a little guy. All my friends weighed 150, 200, and they run, you know how you hold a block and tackle? They tipped it over on top of me and run up and down my body with them big cleats on them. And the third day I took all of it I could and I went to the coach who I know. And I said, see this helmet? If you think it can make it fit, I'll tell you where you can put it. <laughs> and I quit, and that was it. On weekends, they would all go and watch game films in somebody's basement with one of them lit-up TVs. I was a horseback working for $6 a day, catching Mustang Colts, breaking them, selling them to the ranchers. I had a truck when I was 14. Belonged to a friend of mine with a horse rack on it, and i load them head and tail and go to work on those ranches. Get up at three, leave at four, be there at five. Sometimes you might have a 10, 12 mile long trot, ride one colt, lead the other, just to get to where you were gonna do the work. So I was raised with adults and I gravitated back to that. So by the time I was ready to go to college, there was no challenge. I'd been out in the world and um, I had no fear. It was a different time, mm-hmm. but I had no fear of my fellow man. Well, you don't send 14, 15 year old kids out in the world like that today. Gas costs 16 cents a gallon. They'd all fill my truck up when I got there before I'd leave and pay me $6 a day. Oh, and I got a dollar a day for riding those Colts. Really? I never had less than 10 or 12 head of horses around. Was I a good cowboy? I was a better cowboy than I was a horseman because I was raised knowing what to do. How I'm blessed. Now, I make sure my grandkids, and I have a grandson that's a phenomenal team roper. His daddy is, they're horse trainers. But in those days, we'd give $300 for a horse today, a good one. Just getting started is 30,000. Yeah. You see, diversification which is hard to do for young people today. 
I'm a football fan because I love to watch the sport. I'm a hockey fan because 1977, Ernie Afghanis took me to the Edmonton Oilers hockey game in Edmonton, Alberta, Canada. And I've never seen men work so hard, mm -hmm. lose 10, 15 pounds a game, a game, yeah. and then go skate the next morning and play that next night somewhere, maybe on home ice, maybe not. Um, I'm a NASCAR fan. Um, I like basketball, but it was never very tall. <laughs> and it doesn't work very well. No. So what but, is what is it about the sports that is it so intriguing and captivating for you? It's a lot like the military. I always wanted to be in the army or the Marines or something. When I was 13, I had a horse fall with me, broke my hip in about 10 places. Mm. So I could never pass um, whatever it took to get through a physical. Um, so I couldn't go. I even joined the ROTC one time at the University of Nevada in Reno. Really? Thinking I might get in so I could go it was during the Vietnam era. I wanted to serve my country. Mm. The military is organized and regimented. Today's sports are organized and they're regimented. And when you think about the number of kids that play high school football, college football, uh, I've, you know, and some Heisman Trophy winners don't get to go on in big time life, hmm. um, play in the NFL. Um, the regimentation and the dedication. So when it came to being a rodeo announcer, I knew I wasn't gonna be a, a a Jim Shoulders or a Benny Reynolds or a Larry Mahan or, you know, the D. Pickett's, the Roy Coopers, um, the Ty Murray's, Cody Lambert's, um, to become a Trevor Brazil today. I didn't have the dedication and I was a storyteller. So I figured my niche was going to be to be able to brag on them, tell stories about them, generational wealth and hand-me-down talents. And that's how it all started. But that's why I like sports, and I'm a big fan of the United States Armed Services. And not just, you know, five-star generals and... Uh, and you know, medal winners. Mm -hmm. And I have a deep empathy for fallen soldiers. Um, I support them in a long ways. And I watch kids try, but they don't have good guidance. They don't have good coaching. And then I got involved, as you well know, in um, my Bob Tolman Children's Charities mm -hmm. and at different Calgary. Reno, we raised $40 million for our kids. Really? Um, my chosen charity is MD Anderson Pediatrics Cancer Research in Houston. We've raised them nearly $3 million. And so that was 24 years ago. We just raised 190000 in our last golf tournament. That's awesome. But I'm blessed and surrounded myself with people who can operate those things when I'm not present. Mm. You got to give back. 
You so, got to give back. Let's go in time forward. 50 years. What's your legacy? Uh, interesting. Interesting. Legacies are earned from dedicated effort from the positive side, always being aware of the negative side. You have to know that there are obstacles and roadblocks in life that will hold you back if you allow anything of negativism mm -hmm. to enter your mind. Then it gets in your heart, and then it becomes a part of your life. Philanthropic environments today are difficult to start. Energy spent, if you've researched it well, will either tie you to people, organizations, and or to faith-run races. blessed I am to have been surrounded by great people. Cy Tallinn is one of the greatest rodeo announcers in the world. Kirk Gowdy took me under his wing with ABC. Uh, I still say the best hot dogs I ever ate is Boston at the baseball game. <laughs> um, and he trusted me. Mm. He'd stand me beside him on ABC while I rolled at sports and go, this is my friend and fellow announcer, Bob Tallman. I did not know what that worth was then. Because at Cheyenne, the first year I went there and it just worked into it, I had a stunts card as an in the Screen Actors Guild and um, we were tipping over, Gary LaFue and I were driving stagecoaches, doing a Schlitz commercial, tipping over chuck wagons. Why? Well, he told us they're going to pay us a lot of money. And I guess nobody else knew how or wanted to. And I went, hell yeah, I can do that. Give me them reins. No way we went, ha! No way we went, you know? Okay. You had to trip gear and you'd trip it. Horses would jerk you out of that saddle and the way they'd run, you'd drag. And the film was over. Then we'd get them all slowed down, harnessed up. They'd do it again in the arena after the rodeo. Then came guys like Bob Eubanks, mm -hmm. who allowed me to stand beside him and watch him in his character. Talked to him the other day. He's in his mid-80s. Is he still doing, is he still announcing Well, anything? from the dating game, oh, yeah. He just bought the rights to uh, the Beatles. What? And has put together a whole new concert series, 32 stops. Wow. With the Beatles remake. He's amazing. That's wild. He's amazing. And they all call me. Kirk called me Bobby. Eubanks called me Bobby. Then I had Larry Wilcox from Chips. And uh, uh, every great orator, broadcaster in the world that we got to work with at rodeos, the Bull Riders Only events, so forth and so on. Terry Bradshaw. <laughs> you sit next to Terry Bradshaw. 
Yeah, you'll watch him in the post game of, yeah. today with the Cowboys. He is. Um, I'm a Jimmy Johnson fan since they just put him in there. The they just did. Yeah. Yep. And I was stood up in my front room when they did it. Um, I love to listen to the the pre-show, the halftime show, and the post-show. Because I like to see the, the character of all mm-hmm. of those seven or eight great players and coaches and how they present their thoughts. When I go to the rodeo, it's not just John on the horse, Pete, and eight seconds. There's more about John's life. The horse has his due, and then you have the contest, and then paint that picture during the replay on television mm-hmm. of why did that happen? Why was he so good? Why was he mediocre? Or why did he get his butt bucked off? Did he lose a stirrup? The average person, it happens so fast, and unless you've done that, you don't know where the wreck began. So I like to tell a story about it because all stats bores the hell out of people. I mean, a guy's going to win the first, second, third, and yeah. fourth. Mm-hmm. Here you go. <laughs> right. Here's two days of bull riding and uh, TJ Gray, one of the young rookies from Derry, Oregon, has a horse or has a bull called Time Bomb. Um, okay, I know about TJ because you see that iPad? Mm. I can get all the stats I need. I'll call the rodeo producer that owns him, that owns the bull. They have stats for that, too. But I want to have a story about that bull. Not just that he's bucked 32 times, eight times right-handed, you know, 26 times left-handed, and he's 20 and 0, whatever he is. Okay. When you go back and put that lifestyle in sports that I am a fan of sports... But um, I can't. I know a wide receiver runs and catches a ball. I know the center is a big guy, weighs 360. And I know the quarterback is either going to make a successful pass or try to slip through the line. Um, I understand defense and offense. I understand um, basketball. I understand all of that. I like racing, race cars. Um, I like NASCAR. Because you know what I like is the team. Mm-hmm. And I've been to NASCAR many times because um, Walt Garrison used to take me. There's another one of my heroes. Um, when he was with Copenhagen School and Wrangler, I've been to Greensboro, been to the Boyd, Texas, right up here to the in North Texas Speedway and get to go in the pit. Um, and... There I've flown on helicopters with Charlie Daniels and every other major star that sang the national anthem. And so I then got surrounded. And you think about going to Houston for 40 plus years with every major star. The only guy I never got to meet was Elvis and I always wanted to meet John Wayne. Mm. And I was in a hotel one time in the room next to where Elvis was and I didn't get to meet him. I wasn't impressed with his music, but I was impressed with what made him tick. Mm. And then when he got sick, I felt bad. Yeah. I still do today. Because the man gave us so much. Mm. I, always th- I always wanted to meet the Beatles because they changed the world when I was in high school. Um, then 
I started getting bit parts in movies, 13 or 14, 15 movies that I've worked in. And who did that for me? Sam Elliott. Really? Yeah. Uh, I'd love, I'd love uh, to talk to that guy. <laughs> Old Sam. He's, he's a great writer. Really? I haven't done anything in the last four or five years. Yeah. He used to send me scripts and I'd rewrite them. Really? That would fit him. Authenticity. Mm. Um, I used to spend a lot of time with George Strait. But I'm an Alan Jackson fan. <laughs> Country music. Because <laughs> he sings old fashioned. Yeah. yeah. But I love George Strait. But I also love George Jones. Mm-hmm. Okay. I've been around Willie a hundred times. And what he did and accomplished. And now his son's coming on. Um, I like to see lifetime development in people. And then I try to go back just like where I was today. With about 160 kids out of 1,600. You know, that top 10%. Yeah. In... 50 high schools of 4-H and FFA programs where they built all this machinery. And there were two little Hispanic boys there today that were the overall champions. I just fell in love with them. <laughs> and before I left there, I mentioned to a guy, he said, those kids need some help. I said, build them a 10,000 square foot barn, put them to work. They're engineers, they're developers, they're welders, they know how to paint, they know cost, hours, or what it takes. Mm -hmm. And they built a hydraulic, a load up alley and a hydraulic chute where you can put a bull, a horse, big cow, calves, tip them over on their sides, do all kinds of things to they them. They engineered this they and engineered built it? it? Yes. How Th old are these This kids? is about a $40,000 piece of equipment. Uh, wow. They're, I think uh, 17 and 15. Amazing. That's incredible. Yes. So, when you find something like this that you get involved in, mm -hmm. you know what the greatest gift you can give anybody or anything is your time. Time is a non-renewable natural resource. And if you waste it, it's like water under the bridge. Mm -hmm. You never get to do it again. Having a couple hours with you, you and I have been working on this for two years. <laughs> We can do it on the phone. We can do it on Zoom. But time. Mm -hmm. How busy are you? Real busy. I want to be around people that are real busy mm -hmm. because they know how to dedicate time yeah. and give 105% in that time frame. We may never get to do this again for a couple of years. But how long have we been friends? See? Yeah. And the phone calls that you and I talk about different things life but it's cool to get to sit across from you it, it's it's a huge honor for me and um and to have your beautiful bride here too that, that that's really the icing on the cake <laughs> thank you sir <laughs> but i have a new friend <clears throat> i have lots of new friends but i have a new friend that i'm curious about and he's curious about me Comes from Kansas, married to a former Miss Rodeo, Kansas, maybe Iowa. His name is Mo Brings Plenty. He's a Native American. Mm -hmm. You've seen him on 1883 and a little bit on Yellowstone. Full-blooded Indian guy. Neat man. 
And of all the things in all the movie parts I've watched him play, you know what I asked him for? I want to sit with him when he braids his hair. His braids go clear to his waist. Mm. The braid. Braided on both twin braids. And he said, why? And I said, because I bet you, you pray aloud and in your native tongue every morning when you braid your hair. He said, I do. Mm. I do. And I said, Mo, I want to hear you. I want to learn something new. And that would be time. Yeah. And he agreed to it. When we'll get to do it, I don't know where. I have no idea. <laughs> I talked to him on the phone. And his wife is a Sarah. <laughs> and they have a very unique relationship. She comes from kind of a rodeo background. Um, he comes right out of that South Dakota country where all his native people come from. Not far be to the west where you are, yep. Lakota Sioux, yep. of which I am a blood brother member. Been smoked, really? gone through the rituals, once with the Sioux, once with the Lakota Sioux, and the blood Indians in Canada. If I would have wasted the time and didn't allow those people to invite me into their culture, I'd be at a great loss. So when people want to get into my culture, or cultures, I invite them in as deep as they want to get buried and then let them decide to what level, not just friendship, but of study, knowledge that they want to take to it. Reach behind you on the floor over there. My Bible should be right there. I just set it down there this morning. You ever been involved in a Bible study? Yeah. Okay, wherever you take that Bible. I want a picture of this. Put your heart in it. Wow. Okay. And you need to date it, leave reference, your thoughts, your notes, I'm big on sticky tabs, mm -hmm. and learn something from that moment, okay? So if you're gonna pop off and be um, brilliant, do it quickly, <laughs> but back it up mm -hmm. with identity. My dear friend and fellow rodeo announcer, Boyd Paul Amos, probably one of the best Bible-read studiers and can quote from this book, I can't. Really? I love my music, but I never learned the words. Garrett Urigan mm -hmm. <laughs> um, can sing any song that he hears of any genre. Wayne Brooks, brilliant, mm -hmm. dedicated. But I was around people who did all those kinds of things and when I see somebody who's good at doing something, I want to know how they got good at it. You know what it comes back to? That dedication. Yeah. How much time did you spend? 
Um, I've married about 30 couples. I am ordained. And that does not give me the right to say that I am a pastor of the cloth. What it says is that I was tested and did what I did. Mm -hmm. Now, when I marry somebody, if they won't hold their hands together in my presence, in the presence of who is there, and put their hands in this Bible, fingers touch mm -hmm. on both binds, I won't marry them. Really? Never charged anybody a dime. <laughs> Airfare. Yeah. You know, and I've married some celebrities, young people and kids. You know what that makes me? Nothing. Just old Bob. <laughs> but I threaten them to a certain point. Good. You got one good shot at this. Yeah. Okay. You gonna have some problems? Hell yes. If you don't, you're pretty boring. Yeah. <laughs> Life's built on challenges. And I've run away from some of them. I watched Lucia get the uh, announcer of the year award. Yeah, people want to know. And oh, lost I it. Oh, I was hugging him so hard. I was trying to get him to breathe. <laughs> right. But, but you, you got to remember, I've known him since. Yeah, you kind of raised him, right? I mean, well, in, in the business, in his, you've his known dad, him forever. His dad took me by the hand, Tommy Lucia Sr., took me by the hand and led me through the process. Mm. So all of he and his brothers and his sister. Um, I've been in and around all of their upbringing. And this is the biggest dream of his life. Um, he's been, he was born into rodeo, but this is a big dream. Now I try to hold him back. He's brilliant, but he's a part of the new generation that, um, he lives on Facebook, TikTok, Instagram, you know, and they have a whole social media run. I mean, I got 30,000 people on all my social media, but I don't post every day. I posted a picture on my Instagram the other day by accident. I don't know how I did it. Uh, one of my pieces of hay machinery we feed baled hay with. I saw that. And somebody said, well, what do you want? Another guy commented, I had a, I had one of those and it was a piece of crap. And First I thought, why would you do that? Why in the so world would you post that? I took the him comment. to Messenger with help of my daughter took him to messenger and i said that wasn't very nice i said first of all canadian built and i'm a third canadian i spent a third of my adult life up there and i said you know he didn't say crap either and i ripped him for it so if you can't say something nice don't say nothing at all yeah now i've been known also to respond to other people's posts on facebook when they're jumping my crap you know but um Patrick Gotch, the owner of RFD and mm -hmm. the Cowboy Channel, Cowgirl Channel, sent me a text today, scared me to death. He said, which email do you want me to send this response of an email I got last night? And I said, is it good or bad? <laughs> oh, no, it's good. I said, <laughs> send it here. I haven't looked at it yet. I might have to have you help me get the email. But um, you got to remember, 
Last night, in reverence to the Ranch Rodeo in Dickey's Arena at Fort Worth, we had 9,200 people. Mm-hmm. But we had 92,000 people on the Cowboy Channel. Mm-hmm. And the other thing is, if there's 9,200 people in that building, 60,000, 70,000 at Houston, there's 9,200 cameras. Yeah. And they're recording you. And everybody's going to fact check you. And everybody wants to see you step on something wrong. And within 30 seconds, you're on their Facebook page. That's stupid Bob Tallman. Did you hear what he said? And I mean, they will post it. Mm-hmm. And I go, yeah, right. Said anything wrong today? <laughs> and Garrett and I, Wayne Brooks and I, Boyd and I, Roger Mooney and I, Andy Seiler and I, right down the list, all my guys, Andy Stewart, all the people I work with. They immediately, Will Rasmussen said one time, did I say that? I said, yeah, I think (laughs) so. And I said, he said, well, if you say it, it's fact. If I said it, they're going to wonder. And why is that, Bob? Because we never let what? (laughs) Never let facts get in the way of a good story? Totally. Thing is, facts are statistics. Mm -hmm. Okay. A good story <laughs> takes four times as long, and I might have to go through three bucking horses or three runs in the calf rope to get the whole story out, and I'll go be back with you in the rest of that story in a moment, Paul Harvey style. Let's rope again and come back and tell them some more. You'd be surprised of the emails that I get, the texts that I get, and that other people said, well, so-and-so said, you said. I go, yeah. Was that the truth? And I said, kind of. <laughs> well, we love, good. we love the story. <laughs> And I said, that's the end result that I wanted. It's a feel-good moment. Mm -hmm. Now, some take 10 seconds, some take a minute and a half. Well, this mindset that you hold is the reason that I love rodeo. Really? Because of you. Because of what you did when I was in 1988, 86, at the Umpqua Valley Roundup in Douglas County in Roseburg, Oregon. And seeing you on the horseback. Being that narration of that Christensen Brothers Rodeo. Mm-hmm. I still talk to Bobby and Kathy. Really? Uh, we're fighting a big cancer deal with Becky right now. Um, okay, in my phone, 5,500 numbers, wherever my phone is. I got to shut off. Our organization has sent just a hair over 400 people to MD Anderson in 24 years. We have rehabbed like all but they seven. All like paid sent. Yes. Like that's fantastic. Okay. We created, I mean, we raised them a lot of money. Mm-hmm. We're tied to them 24 7. We've lost seven. Mm-hmm. My great friend, Larry Mahan, who has been another great supporter of mine. Um, Hadley Barrett, one of the greatest orators of the world and singers, songwriters. <laughs> Singer, really? Oh, yeah, I had a swing band. It was second to none. Red Steagall texted me last night. We introduced him, played a little bit of his music. Clint Black was there. Clint Black, I was a part of a golf tournament that we had, mm-hmm. and his wife and daughter were there. Um, And I started to tell part of this. You think about Houston, of all of the stars, how many times I've introduced 
how many of them. We do it electronically now. But I've introduced George Strait at 40 concerts. Okay. Is that making my best friend? No. Do I know the man? Yes. Does he trust me to introduce him? Yes. People say, well, what's the greatest thing you know about George Strait? I said he's given over $300 million of his earned money buying homes for fallen soldiers. And they go, George Strait? I had no idea of that. Oh, yes. $300 million is given back and wrote checks for $150,000 to $300,000 for disabled veterans and fallen soldiers. He's a giver, not a taker. That's what I think George Strait is. Did he sing pretty good? Damn near as good as George Jones. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) One of the favorite, my favorite things that you have said to me, um, and it was the first time we talked on the phone. I think I asked you how much time you had. And you said, right now, you're the most important thing in my time because I'm talking to you. And so you're the priority. And I think that is incredible because so many times today in our fast world, we don't have time for the people we're in the room with. Most of the time we're unorganized because we're either before the phone rings or we sit down and do a podcast. Most of the time we have other priorities that we think are more important. Mm -hmm. I know how important it is to talk to you on the phone because you're busy. And I know you'll edit. And today we have planned to do this for off and on now for a year and a half. Okay. You're on in my backyard now. We're not in South Dakota, Minneapolis. We're not pressured for time because I've had a long day talking at two to five below zero with those kids but it's a glorious day because I got to see a new generation of people do some heartfelt things they wanted to do knowing that we can do 20 minutes or two hours It's not important of what we accomplish within that time. It's how you'll spread it out. And I know that your viewership, your listenership are predominantly faith-based people who don't, I met um, maybe one-tenth of one percent that I would ever get to meet or have met. The Umpqua Valley Roundup, Roseburg, Oregon, home of Jody Tatone. Yeah. One of the greatest all-time bull riders and his mom and dad. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they moved over to Boardman, bought that hotel, that restaurant. And I used to put on rodeo schools there with my dear friend Bob Feist. <laughs> Back in the 80s when I moved to Oregon. Okay. That was a unique little town, logging town. Go right up the road. Salem. Um, Eugene. Molala. And those rodeos in those days, when I lived in that part of the country over on the other side at Baker City in Keating, Oregon, well, it was a quick fix for me to run over there and do those things. 
the horseback thing you mentioned briefly. Mm -hmm. I saw Clem McSpadden do it with a megaphone one time. And Clem McSpadden's another one of those great, great, great orators. Uh, he's a lobbyist, great speaker, writer. Took me to Oklahoma City and put me in that announcer's position with a, another old-time, long-time dear friend, Jay Harwood. Mm. And he trusted me. I was no more ready to go to Oklahoma City after being in the business for five years. I started in Oklahoma City working for Buster Ivory for $15 a day. What kind of time commitment was that? Uh, early in the morning, five o'clock, five to six, we would sort all the bucking horses, calves and steers and bulls, take them off feed, and get them ready for that night's performance. When the rodeo was over, we had another hour, and we'd take all that livestock back and pin them in the right pens and feed them because they didn't go again for four or five days. Mm. There was a guy named John Snow. He came from the East, Rodeos, Inc. Another guy uh, named Howard Harris came from Cowtown, Files Grove, Cowtown, New Jersey. And they were the kind of the behind the scenes guys that handled all that livestock. John Snow hired me to announce a bucking horse riding, bareback and bronc riding, the top 15 in the world in Yukon, Oklahoma. Snow was blowing sideways, about five below zero. We'd put on these bucking horse ridings and sails during the NFR. And those guys that day would come out and get on all them horses, probably for 50 bucks a ride. Before the evening event? Before the evening event. <laughs> and we'd leave there, run, take a shower sometimes, not. And go down the rodeo in the Marriott in Oklahoma City. And... Every great rodeo producer from Tommy Steiner to you name it, all of them were there buying those horses. Hmm. Well, they got to hear this guy, Bob Tolman. Pretty soon I'm announcing a rodeo, long before I should have ever been allowed to. When it moved to Las Vegas, I didn't get to go the first year, but I was on the board of directors that followed Benny Binion, Sean Davis, and all the other people in Vegas that take the rodeo out there. Because we had $144,000 of the prize money in Oklahoma City. And the first year out there was half a million. Wow. Now, being a native Nevadan, mm -hmm. knowing Las Vegas the way I did, because of my dear friend Ralph Lamb, whose father was a friend of my grandfather's, when my grandfather was a governor and lieutenant governor, and a state senator in Nevada back in the late 30s and early 40s, I had another connection. Mm. Okay? So it just kind of fell politically, privately, politically, but I had to step up to the plate and stand next to Clem McSpadden's, the Jay Harwoods, the greats of that time. And you didn't get a second chance. When you got in the race, you better have your feet in the block. When that pistol fired, you better sprint. Yeah. And how blessed I was within the RCA first and the PRCA to be on that board of directors for 12 years. To sit next to James Allen, one of the greatest guy Allen's daddy, 
one of the greatest all-time calf ropers and steer ropers in the world. And there I had Bill Smith, Cody Bill Smith, Hugh Shambliss, Joe Alexander, Richard Stowers. I remember who the team roping directors were then. Uh, the WPRA wasn't involved politically. Did they, did they exist? Oh, yeah. Yeah. How has that... How has that combination gone over the years? You know, not well. bringing more. Not well. Why? Cowboys being hard-headed, egotistical. Mm. Talking about myself, not wanting to share, mm. and to have the women involved. And when we started having the WPRA barrel races, it helped rodeo. Yeah. Now we have the breakaway roping. It helps rodeo. I don't like the rules how they do it, but it helps rodeo. Will that ever make it to the NFR main event? I doubt it. Breakaway. And is it a timing in my issue? Career time. It's a time issue. Okay. Time, and we don't have space around the Thomas and Mac at the University of Nevada, Las Vegas, to store that many more cattle. Okay. So they have it at Michael Gon's beautiful. Michael and Paula Gunn's beautiful South Point Hotel Arena, mm. which they have all kinds. Biggest team ropings in the world. Money, 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 money. And But I'm a fan of the breakaway roping because I've been watching ladies rope breakaway. I also watch them tie down, rope calves tie down. Really? I watched them ride bucking horses and bulls, no bronc riding. Well, are they not allowed in? to some of the bigger things. Cause th there's a group of uh, women bull riders, isn't there? Isn't there? Yeah. Whole... I'm not big on that. Cause it scares me. Right. I don't want to see my, my sister do that. Right. I don't want to see my neighbor, my friends. Bad enough for the boys to get tromped on. I know, <laughs> you know, and they ride bareback horses with two hands, mm. which if they rode with one, they'd be safer. Really? You ever try to get two hands out of two riggins? Mm, oh, oh, they're and tied their down feet flop two, behind oh, them and throws them out over the front end. Oh. I've witnessed ten or twelve fatalities in my lifetime in the rodeo business. It's scary. Yeah, you can kill a guy in a race car, and they expect it. That's why people go to watch races. Round and around and around they go. Oh, it's a wreck. Where? Right. <laughs> I missed it. <laughs> yeah. Okay. We're a we're a group of people in our society today that just love turmoil. I like organized competition. Mm. But I'm not sure. Um, I mentioned Terry Bradshaw a minute ago, and the first time he came to one of our bull riders only, produced by the one and only Shaw Sullivan. What a great idea. And then that created the PBR. Was that what it came out of? Yeah. And then during that time, I organized uh, a 21 count DNA uh, blood typing yeah. in the bull riding. Started with Sammy Andrews and Bodacious. That was the first bull? Yeah. Really? It was the first ever registered. Oh. I still got all the certificates. We collected them, mm -hmm. uh, charted them. I went to university, spent a week at the University of California at Davis with other people, and we learned how the DNA process works. Um, we started, you've got six, 11, and 21 gene markers. We phenotype 
how everything that there is about an animal by blood. Okay, genetics. And you're talking all the characteristics, the the well, size I, of them, yeah. like like oh, the yeah. way they they grow, all yeah, of that. How they grow. Temperament is that part of it? Uh, no temperament. Or is that just a that's shot not, in the dark? That's not a gene marker. Mm. Temperament comes from if mom was bad to handle and dad was her, you know. Yeah. If we could could have blood typed. And you can go back and take flesh from dead animals, mm-hmm. horses, and we did it. We started a horse registry, and I gave it all away after I sold out of the, the rodeo stock registry for the bulls. But we did the cows. Mm. My dear friend Jerry Nelson with Frontier Rodeo, 10 times rodeo producer of the year, maybe 11. Um, we spent two days on his ranch at Winnie, Texas. And did about 200 head of cattle. And you want to talk about a wrestling match. (laughs) And he was just as crazy as I was about blood typing them. And then how you handle it and what you do with that tube of blood. And where you, you know, it's not just pour some on a piece of litmus paper and go. And we'd send those off. And the University of California at Davis was where we started with it first. Then my dear friend, Brad, uh, oh, oh my God. I moved to Texas because of him. He's uh, uh, Brad Stroud. And his son today owns the butcher plant where I do all my cattle. Uh, You talk about genealogy now. That family was brilliant, still is today. And young Todd, he's done deer and elk, rabbits. I learned this um, when I was going to the early days at uh, Houston. I used to go and watch an organization. They they DNA'd shrimp. What? In the Gulf. You take the biggest, best shrimp. <laughs> And DNA them, and then reproduce them. Oh. Either seven days in a petri dish, mm-hmm. or in the rebreeding programs, they do it with catfish. I got a lot of friends in uh, Georgia, uh, Mississippi, that raise catfish in clean water, mm-hmm. and all of that's done. You want bigger catfish? You want them quicker? Wow. They do that with DNA. So is all that, is that why we have these incredible animals today that yep. rodeo? It came, came out of that. Always said we should have DNA Donnie Gay and reproduced him. <laughs> Eight-time champion of the world, my buddy. <clears throat> is uh, Stetson Wright the real deal? Oh, he's all-time the real deal. That whole family is the real deal. Every one of them boys, the first 13 kids, mm-hmm. the girls too, they're raising kids now. Did you say 13 kids? 13 kids in the original family. Wow. Cody's generation. Mm. Now comes this bunch. Mm-hmm. Now they're having babies. My prediction is there will be somebody out of the Wright family from Beaver, Utah at the NFR and might show up in the Ropen for the next 30 years. Wow. Yeah. They're good people. 
I I got to uh, Garrett um, got me media credentials for the Cinch Governor's Cup in Sioux Falls okay. this last year. Oh, good. So I got to shoot that. So I, photography is my job. That's what I do for a living. Um, and so I got to photograph that and Stetson was there. And I've not seen him in person before. Okay. And it was incredible to watch him. I don't know how you do that. I don't know how you just stay on. You know what his first dedication is? Mm-mm. He lives a pure life mm. in Kai Hamilton. What you put in your body either promotes growth. What you put in your mind either promotes growth. And he lives as pure a lifestyle as he could. Would he have a beer once in a while? Sure. Why not? One. Mm-hmm. You know, but... That's the kind of generational wealth that we have today in the mindset of these great young champions. Look at Caleb Schmidt and the calf robin. Yeah. And you know what? He retired. <laughs> He's beat everybody there is yeah. to beat. Okay, you take... Um, well, some of these newbies, what, what's the... Um, the young, was he 19? Uh, 19 or 20, I can't remember his name. Um, what event? Calf robin. Tie down roping. Chad um, Mayfield? Nope. Uh, Haven Majid? Uh, they're, no, they're both dynamite, those two. No, he's really young. Um, not Hunter something. Oh, from over in East Texas? <sighs> Maybe. Uh, I thought it's not Hunter Heron, is it? Um, I wasn't prepared to have that yeah, fact. I wasn't either. It just came to me. Um, <laughs> but these young kids, it's yeah. amazing to watch them. They come out and, I mean, you don't see it very often where you get someone that young that's that poised. What about Louis Field and then Casey? Yeah. Okay. And Casey's raising a brood. He just retired too, didn't he? Yep. Yeah. Yep. He didn't have any more to prove. You know, yeah. didn't have to prove anything. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, it's incredible. Well, at the end of the day, one of the things that I'm trying to there is ex- no such thing explore. True. There is no thing at the end of the day <laughs> right. because. We'll do this again. And my mind is somewhat stirred and blurred all at the same time, trying to give you um, short and honest answers so you don't have to add a lot, take the others out of it. I do a lot of voice work in studios so um, and did radio for years. So editing... Uh, takes out breaths and takes out the us and the does. I, see, I, I like a raw conversation, though. Well, in, in a lot of things, it, it makes it better, unless it's not. And when it's bad, it's... Yeah, and there's a segment you want to take out. Yeah. You know your listener base. Mm-hmm. And these interviews should spur them on to stay hooked to you to your next subject or title or interview. And... Who was your last podcast with? Mike Rounds, our senator. One of them. Awesome. I sat across his dining room table with him for an hour. And it was really, it was fun to be in his environment. And what that's about, why. What about Christy Nome? I had her in the studio about a year and a half ago. Um, How blessed are we to have her in the world? Not Republican or Democrat. This woman is a gift to us. And I want to see her used, not abused. I think that will be difficult. I know. 
and it, it, it's tough because it she's she's in a very vicious so is um, Sarah Palin. system. Yeah, they ruined her life. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. I met her <clears throat> in uh, Palmer, Alaska, twenty years, twenty five years ago, with her family. Um, she changed the world for women. Glasses. Yeah. <laughs> the world of optometry should thank Sarah Palin. That's right. You got Sarah Palin glasses on, Sarah. Um, think about some of these things. Yeah. What did that person do to change our environment? Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, what have they done to for the betterment of mankind in the environment and the society that gave us something positive? Mm-hmm. There's plenty of negative out there. Um, why is Dak Prescott letting them beat him 48 to 24? Is this the third quarter we're watching? No. Fourth. It's almost Fourth over. Quarter. Three minutes left. Oh, my God. You're watching. Oh, you're watching on the other TV. <laughs> yeah. You have this set up so well, Bob. <laughs> well... Um, tell me about the senator in that interview. Mike Rounds, uh, what I've learned about him is he is not a showman. He's not a showboater. He puts his head down and goes to work. Uh, his chief of staff is a good friend of mine. And I've gotten to know him. He's a young kid. He's like 28 or 29. And he's the youngest chief of staff, I think, in the Senate. So term Brilliant. doesn't even fit in his category yet. Well, uh, not the senator. Senator, I'm talking about his chief of staff is young. Oh, okay. Senators, he's, he's older. He was the governor of South Dakota for two uh, two terms and term limited out. Then he went to the Senate. And so there's, there's talk that he may attempt to go back to governor at some point. Um, but he will be locked away in the secure skiff for hours at a time researching in DC because with his staff, uh, it's just him. He only, I think only senators are allowed to go down there. And so he, he wants to know all the nuance. Um, I have personal opinions that are slightly different than where he's at. Um, and his chief of staff and I have coffee and we have a blast. Great conversations. Um, but Mike Rounds, I think he's the real deal because I don't feel like he's in it for personal gain. He's trying to figure out how to make it better for America. And I think that's rare. And he's not a sure he doesn't get on T he goes on TV every now and then, but he's not he's not bombastic, he's not upfront, he's not flashy. He's just a real dude. And he drives it like a 2000 Corvette and loves it. Interesting. <laughs> of all of the people that you have interviewed, photographed and interviewed, which one of he or her left you wanting more? We're sitting here. We're today. Not right. You. Yeah, church ain't over, buddy. Mm-hmm. And and I think it was, well, it's because I mean personally, I have such a a fondness for the 
the things that I grew to love on, under your voice as a little kid. Um, How old are you? 44. Is that right? Yeah. I think so. Yeah. <laughs> 32 years younger than I am. Okay. Everybody, of course, COVID didn't hurt me. I was sick for a couple of days. And it was after the NFR that we had in my favorite baseball team, the Texas Rangers. Beautiful <laughs> global life field. Mm -hmm. But it was 10 days after, so yeah. I didn't get it at the rodeo. I somewhat say thank you for COVID because it put me back to work. How so? Getting the real estate business. Mm. Had no idea how long we would be shut down. Mm -hmm. I've taken everything out of my rodeo, my ranch life, my beef business, the jerky business, and went, how did I get to where I am in those situations? And how am I going to deal with this? Yeah. So Phil Sanders, my partner, and I signed up at Champions Real Estate School in Fort Worth, Texas. Two days before we started, they shut it down because of COVID. Oh, no. I had owned a laptop, a PC, in the security business that I'd been in for a while. Couldn't, couldn't find it, didn't know where it was. So we ran down and bought me a new PC. We had to do 180 hours plus more Oh, uh, online, yeah. Zoom. <laughs> I didn't know how to turn the dang thing on. So they watch you as you watch them. Mm. That little camera up there mm -hmm. is right in your face. Oh my God, 180 hours, 16 books. I have never been challenged to see what my mental recall capabilities would be 50 years after I would have ever been in, in college or in a, in a study session. I loved it. I love it today. Here's why. People want to be sold as you're telling them about a house, a piece of property, a piece of dirt, about your knowledge in other fields. No, I mean, we're four years into the deal. <clears throat> but I've traded ranches, built ranches, helped people do things on ranches that Kristen and I have put together over the years in California. Um, I was Leo Camarillo's general manager one time. And he and I and Sharon built the Rafter Sea Rodeo Company. Really? Building ropes. Yeah. 1974. Okay. So I've been in the dirt business. Now getting in the dirt business, because everything relies on dirt. Mm -hmm. It's either the dirt and what you're gonna put on it, or it's the house on a piece of dirt, or it's the small ranch, 510 ranchette, 20 acres, <laughs> or 3,000 acres. Mm -hmm. And it all has a story. So the research that we do is where'd that dirt come from? Mm -hmm. Who owned it 50 years ago, 100 years ago? Is it a part of something that got 
You know, is it the four sixes of the pitchfork or where we're doing our solar business with the Millers out west or Houston Powers, whose daddy was one of my dearest friends and mentors, Jimmy Powers over the years. And that ranch is, I don't know, 200,000 acres. And so to put together the right manufacturer to build it, Mm -hmm. now I had to learn about Highline Power. I had to learn about kilowatts. I had to learn about transferability, substations, where to build them, how how to build them, who to contact. (coughs) Is it Encore or is it ERCOT? Which companies can do what? And then tie those people together. These Quanta Corporation. Unbelievable. 350 or 400 companies. They put together their Fortune 300 company to get to go into their boardrooms and to get involved with those people that have put these massive merges together Mm -hmm. and to listen to their theology. And they trust us (laughs) to get them involved. Having trust with people is that's bigger than life. Okay, back dedication, research. And you don't go into one of those meetings and just go to popping off. Well, in the Western lifestyle, a lot of those people know who I am because some of them came to the AGRA Rodeo Finals in Snyder, Texas, 1981. A lot of those people see us on the Cowboy Channel. A lot of those people come to the rodeo at Fort Worth or Houston, major oil and gas companies, and to have the trust of those people to invite you into their environment Mm -hmm. and see what you have to offer. Don't be popping off. You don't know what the hell you're talking about. (laughs) Right. Because you know how they answer you? They don't. And when your meeting's over, they get back together and they go, that guy, that guy's selling BS. You're out. And that word spreads amongst the industries. Okay. Um... We're going to need fossil fuel for the till the last days of our life. The man that I work with in my studio in downtown Fort Worth, Tanner Landry, uh, drives an electric car. Her name is Pearl. The car's I, name? Yeah. I think that they're the coolest thing in the world. I mean, zero to 60 in a half a city block. Mm-hmm. What are we going to do with them? Batteries. Yeah. Yeah. How are we going to have a 16-hour setup and batteries to travel? They're beautifully made cars. Oh, it's pretty. Yeah. But yeah, like if we drive from our house to Dallas, it's 13 and a half hours. Okay. I can do that in a gas-powered engine in yeah. 13 and a half hours. Yeah. I can't do it on on batteries. You know who I want to meet? Elon Musk. Why? There are very few minds in the world today that have a plan. Mm. Now, I do believe, you know, he steps on himself once in a while. (laughs) But I want to know what makes this man tick. Uh He doesn't have anything that I want, except I want to understand what generates his mind. Mm -hmm. Okay? 
you go back and figure out about the first computers and all of the people that have gone through all of that, Silicon Valley. I watched it. I want to meet some of those people. And at my age, one of these days I'm going to quit going around everywhere I go around and I'd like to meet them before I quit hanging out. I don't want their money. Mm -hmm. Satisfied with what I make, how I reinvest it. Um, I do, I don't watch the stock market, but I am involved in reinvestments. And I do believe, you know, my number one desire in the reinvestment world is today. You didn't ask me, but I'm gonna tell you. Tell me, I'm all ears. Senior living centers. Okay. We have tens of thousands of people mm -hmm. that are dying because they put them in a wheelchair, they put them in a rocking chair, mm -hmm. or they put them in a chair. We need to involve them, mm -hmm. keep their mind going. Yeah. People who want to go, oh, I can't wait till I'm 65 so I can retire. <laughs> Great way to die. Yeah. Get involved. Physically, they start to lose it. Mentally, they really lose it. And third, their desire to live. And I know some 80 and 90 year old people, close to 100, that are still active in their mind. And if you can keep a man or a woman's mind alive, you're fighting dementia. Dementia today um, normally comes from lack of mental push. Then they get to the point where they forget who they are. It's frightening. Mm -hmm. I love people. I want them to all last as long as they can. And they have stories. Yep. You just got to give them your time and they'll tell them to you. And if they start to, you know, stammer and stagger a little bit, give them a little more time, mm -hmm. lean up to them. And then they'll see you want to hear more. Um, and you can always throw Jesus in, you know. But it doesn't hurt. No. It's free. Raise your hand. That's right. Have you ever seen the pictures of Jesus Christ on the cross. Mm -hmm. The next time you look at one of those pictures, I want you to look at his hands or at the three quarter point, his feet are crossed. You gotta have a place to bleed out as a human. And at 30 plus years old, his hands are cocked. The last look he takes in life under that crown of thorns is to his father. His hands are cocked. Have you lost your dad? You lost your mom? You lost a friend? That's what I said earlier. That's the transferability of the Holy Spirit to be sent to heaven to receive the Spirit back. Communicate. Mm -hmm. So maybe it's, I lost my dad five years ago. I just don't know what to do. I can't talk to him. So what do you mean you can't talk to him? And I tell him that story. I've done this on TV. I do it in churches where I speak. Wake up, people. There's a message. Look at the picture. 
Give them 15 in the morning, give them 15 at night. Send the message, receive the Spirit. Be blessed. That's fantastic. You'd be surprised in the real estate business today. I have people call from California and I go, area code 209, you live by Lodi? <laughs> people call 360, 360, you live in Nebraska? <laughs> I've been in all those places. I know where those area codes are, even some zip codes. And they go, yeah, I'm from California, don't hold it against me. And I go, no, 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 <laughs> no, no. What's the environment you're trying to get out of? What have you got to trade? They don't understand tax, 1031 tax-free exchanges. They don't understand taxation of married couples. Mm. They don't understand the simple little things. Give it to them. Do they end up using us as realtors? Not always. I'm in love with this real estate thing. I'm in love with cows. So earlier you said something that is fascinating to me because I'm, I guess I'm wondering when, when you realized that telling the story mattered more than anything else. And, you know, you do it in rodeo. Rodeo is the only sport that has in arena real-time commentary. There's no other sport out there that has that. No, not really. Chuck Morgan, who's the voice of the Texas Rangers, just... Uh did a quote in an article they wrote about me in the Fort Worth magazine. Was that the in, one they just did? They just published? Yeah. He's one of the greatest sports, in-house sports announcers, I think, that there ever has been. And he's always inviting me to go to the baseball game. And being a Texas Ranger fan, uh, and this all started with a guy named Steve Bouchelle. Great baseball player. Now he's a post-game, pre- and post-game commentator for the Rangers. Um, his mother and my grandmother were raised 10 miles apart in Switzerland. Are you serious? Yeah. <laughs> wow. Ooh, shell. Yep. They're all Swiss. Mm-hmm. When you earn the trust of a Steve Bouchelle or Terry Bradshaw, since they're in my backyard... And on TV, the camera comes to you. You can reach and set people up. You have about 15 seconds on radio. You have six seconds on television to sink a hook in that audience and have them stay with you when the camera goes to the sport or breaks and goes to commercial and you come back on, whatever. Six seconds. It's a known fact. I didn't make that up. Somebody else told me that, knew what the heck they were talking about. And when I start a rodeo at night or somebody else starts it and they come to me and you're not on camera, you've got about 10 seconds to sink a hook in that audience to hold them. And then you take them and you mold them. You go up, down, back away, dive into them. But you've got to paint a picture that they're not seeing as they're watching the same thing I'm seeing. Mm -hmm. And all I am doing is telling a story about what we're watching. 
And in painting a picture, you're telling a story. I got tired of doing stats 25 years ago, even though I use them. Mm-hmm. But where you have instant replay on these big screens, it says it's so bright and perfect. Use it. I want an audience leaving wanting more. I want them exhausted. I want them sitting on hands getting knuckle bumps on their butt. <laughs> Give it to them. When you start into a real, estate, a real estate deal, give them enough to keep them hooked. But don't just... So many real, real estate people today, the first thing they calculate is a commission. Yeah. No, 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 no. We sell somebody a house in five acres, 15 acres and build them a horse ranch or an already producing one. I want the resale 10 years down the road on that. <laughs> even at my age, because if they find trust in you to spend $200,000, $300,000 or 10 or 12 or $15 million, um, that's why I like commercial and industrial real estate, because it involves lots of people, high-end pieces of ground in the high-end traffic areas or so big a piece of ground someplace else in the world that there's going to be lots of people. How many jobs will it create? So is it intriguing to you because there's a plan there? Yeah. Like it's clearly thought out. Yes. It's long-term thinking. And if I just go to popping off Mm -hmm. because I didn't do my research or we didn't do our research, uh, you're lying to people for your own best interest. Mm -hmm. Didn't take it. People are not stupid. Yeah. And if it's a first time buy for young people, you become a guardian of their life and sell them something they can't afford. Yeah. Reinvestment, we sell a guy, sell a piece of ground for the seller. What are we gonna do with him to help him reinvest his money? Okay, today you better be conscious of what it takes. You sell a million dollar piece of ground for a guy, First $500,000, him and his wife, he's tax-free. How are you going to deal with the next $500,000? How are we going to reinvest this? And then we've got four or five clients. Uh, We don't babysit them. We're not financial advisors. We're not accountants. We're not attorneys. But convince them they need to talk to an attorney. They need to talk to their accounting people. And then they go, Oh, and thought about doing that, but you've got to give them a reason to trust you. So your dedication to research will pay off by being accurate in short, mm-hmm. short phrases about we do this. Yeah. And I want to be very good at that. I'm not going to go, go to law school and get a degree. I'm not going to become an accountant and I'm not a financial advisor. You're just a storyteller. And, and and this, you're this, right? You gotta hug them. Yeah. And you can hug people with your eyes, your voice, your mannerism, your walk. If it's all it is, is talk. Mm-hmm. You're blowing smoke. 
So is the Platinum Group just the two of you? No, no. Platinum Group is uh, owned by a guy named Wesley Stout. Okay. Wesley Stout, 30 years ago, was a Weatherford policeman. He took a $25 alarm clock and put a camera in it with a battery. For yeah. what? Security. Really? Yeah. <laughs> Set it on a nightstand. Huh. I bought the idea and part of the business from him and got in the camera business, security business. We then designed, because of other people I associated myself with, a million dollars worth of toys. We had 25 employees. Sold that business and got out after we de designed all of this stuff. Still in business today in Weatherford. Mm -hmm. One of my original partners, Gary Houghton, operates it. Brilliant. Former policeman. Wesley Stout wanted to get in the buck and bull business. So I sold him three tanks of semen and a bunch of embryos. <laughs> I got even with him. <laughs> His daughter still got bulls at bucket to PBR. Wow. Wesley Stout got in the real estate business, came to us because we had to have a broker. Came to Phil and I said, you're a team. Mm. He said, we are? He <laughs> said, yeah, you got this, this, and this. You got this, this, and this. It makes a team. I want you under my umbrella. Wow. 30 years of friendship, mm -hmm. of being around somebody. You find out a lot about them, they find out a lot about you. So it's perpetuated itself to where we are today. And to be a broker in the real estate industry today is very difficult. Very oh, difficult. To be a broker, yeah. Yeah. Yep. His original partner, another brilliant man, Jake Link, uh, who's been a friend of ours for a long time. He's doing a different style now. But there's that circle that makes it work. Mm -hmm. So connection. Yeah. Is Trust. It, yeah. I've said that to you and you've presented the opportunity to say it in the last hour or so 10 times. Yeah. Now, does it always work? Good God, no. <laughs> you know... Dreams are built on chunks. And if you can line all the chunks up, you know, then you got a hot dog. If you got enough hot dogs, you got a steak. If you got enough steaks, build a cow. <laughs> Evolution. Trust. Hmm. Well, Bob, we could keep going, but I probably should let you. I'm fine. <laughs> Thank you for letting us come into your, oh. your world. Have you and Sarah in here is a compliment, you know, to put the frosting on a well-baked cake today. Do you, how long is a podcast? Normally, mm -hmm. between one and two hours is typical. Okay. B because the, the format is raw conversation. Online. It, it's audio only. Yeah, and so all across the uh, the podcast world. Do you ever find yourself at a crossroads where you don't know where to go next? Yep. What do you do then? 
I, it happens to me yeah. in a two and a half hour rodeo. Yeah. Like, oh my God, <laughs> this is not working. <laughs> I'm just jamming crap out of my mouth in somebody's ears. Yeah. And so you'll lose an audience. Mm-hmm. You know how to get them back? Silence. Stop talking. And they go, where do you go? What happened? Mm-hmm. And I'll go, y'all okay? And they go, how do we answer that? And I go, I'm, I'm telling you folks, are you okay? And I've had people go, why did you say that? I said, because we've lost this audience. I'm not always uh, sitting with another person. Sometimes at Houston, 74,000 people in that NRG stadium. I did used to do it a horseback in the Astrodome. Yes. Really? Oh, yes. That would have been fun to watch. Got the pictures. Wow. But you're on a football field. In the Astrodome, we're on a football field plus football and baseball. Mm -hmm. Okay, in NRG Stadium, it's a football field where the Texans play. Okay? 74,000 people suck up a lot of oxygen. (laughs) Think about this. You put them with a roof over it and it retracts, but we never have it retract because we got all this stuff hanging. And I have two great partners, Andy Seiler from Ocala, Florida, so, and Boyd Paul Amos. And Boyd, let, let me just say, um, Andy's energy yeah. Is phenomenal. He's young. It's wonderful. I love listening to him. Yeah, because he's got energy, and he's 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 you thirty years ago in, in the nonstop go go go. But he tests me. He sets me up. Mm-hmm. Boyd and I, I start a sentence. Boyd can finish it. Yep. With our backs to each other. Yeah. Boyd starts a sentence. I know where he's going. I can finish it. And then Andy's going. Did they really do that? <laughs> He looks around at us and like, where in the hell did that come from? (laughs) And you know why we do that? Is to change the audience's mindset. Their hearing set. Their tone. And you can take them up. Hang them out to dry right here. Just walk away and leave them. (gasps) Ah. (laughs) Then they go to paying attention to you. The Chevron suite is right next door with a glass wall. There's another suite to the left over here. We're on the fifth level. You're way up there, aren't you? In that yeah. One. We're on the fifth level. Uh, this is where John Madden does football. And think about that. Think about John Madden. He has a style that no one else has ever been able to copy. Mm-hmm. Because he does what he does from being a football player, being a coach, to being an orator, to being a broadcaster. You gotta be an orator first before you become a broadcaster. Because if you don't have your lingo lined out, you you can't project it. Okay, with that said, Ben Johnson, the actor, you know, he was a world champion steer roper before he was an actor. I didn't know that. Yep. The great Oklahoman. Huh. So one time, 
his nephew, John, uh, John Miller, and me and a guy named Bob Cook started me in the rodeo business. We're standing at the NFR in Oklahoma City. And I just knew him as Ben Johnson, cowboy guy, but he's an actor. I said, Ben, I can't turn on the TV or go past a movie house that you're not an actor in a movie these days. <laughs> I said, it's one after the other, after the other, after the other. And he goes, yeah, it's pretty good. Very modest, humble man. I said, how has this happened to you? And he was 50 then. James Kahn told me the same thing in The Godfather. I'll think of some others that have told me the same thing. He said, well, Bob, he said, Ben Johnson is really hot right now. I said, my God, yes. And he said, I play Ben Johnson better than anybody else. I'm in a limo with him one time in Las Vegas. And he had a phone in there. I called my wife and I said, Kristen, I want you to listen to this guy. And he went, hello, Kristen. She said, Ben Johnson. Wow. Okay. James Kahn used to live with us at the ranch in Clemens, California, in between movies. He used to tell me. Uh, I didn't want to be in the movies, but he'd say, Bob, don't do this, don't do that. Sam Elliott. I watched him start. His stunt double was a bucking horse rider. That's where he showed up at rodeo at San Jose, California one time. Okay. How, how can I say? I'm not me. I'm the person that all of these other people who are great people made me. And a wife of 54 years who everyone's going to have to reach out and go, whoa, cowboy. <laughs> and when you have been surrounded by these kinds of people, that doesn't happen in today's society mm -hmm. because people um, are so much more guarded when they're at that celebrity level. And this legend thing. Uh, that, yes. How did that start? Got to be around a long time. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you got to eat a lot of hamburgers before you ever get your first steak or filet mignon. Um, and you've got to uh, deliver. You got to deliver. I believe that when I take a nap, which is occasionally, that I try to take a good nap. And I used to live on a power nap deal. Bob Eubanks was the greatest in the world. He'd take a power nap in the middle of a rodeo. What? Oh, yeah. Eight minutes. Really? Ten minutes. And he could just and go step just right like back on. Really? When them four lights come on that TV camera. Mm -hmm. He played Bob Eubanks better than anybody else. Huh. Still does today. Yeah. I told you what he's doing with the Beatles. Wild, yeah. Amazing. So, to become a legend, I had the most fun I've had all year the other night, Las Vegas, 
when I hosted for the Cowboy Hall of Fame, Red Steagall. Mm. Been friends 50 years. And Ken Sturman was the curator and operator of the Cowboy Hall of Fame in uh, Colorado Springs. He and the commissioner, Tom Glaus, called and said, uh, we'd like to have a former recipient as a legend host Red Steagall in this year's legend deal. I said, really? He said, yeah, he asked if we'd ask you. I said, okay. I never called Red Steagall one time because I know the man inside and out. And I guard him because of his wealth of delivery. Wasn't raised a cowboy, became one. Had polio. And his left hand hit a golf ball farther with one arm than any man I know. Ride a horse, good team rope. But his rehab with polio in that left arm, he learned how to throw his hand up on the neck of that guitar. And his fingers would work. He didn't have any strength in his arm. So when he learned how to play a guitar, it all started because of that. But you can put him a horseback today with the four sixes, the pitchfork, wherever you want, and he'll go to the fire with them. I have a dear friend, another one. His name is Brantley Foster. He's a retired Texas Ranger. Met him through Larry Mahan 30 years ago. Brantley Foster can tell you of all of the bad guys he's captured. And he did it without a gun. Because he said a lawman packing a gun, being seen, like what Texas Rangers today all do. It's a different environment now. Mm -hmm. This is 40 years ago when he started. Would set somebody off. Yeah. Create flight. You think about why do people dress the way they do? Why do people promote their lifestyle the way they do? Tall crowned hats and high heel boots. Do you know the one man that I'm going to give credit to that has changed the Western lifestyle? Taylor Sheridan. Just with the the show? Yep. Really? But Taylor Sheridan's been writing scripts and directing movies for 30 years. When he became addicted to the Western lifestyle. Is that where, when Yellowstone came about? Yep. And others close to it. But like that was the first his first foray into that yep. cowboy lifestyle. It right? changed our lifestyle. Mm. So you match Yellowstone and the Cowboy Channel. Mm-hmm. We got the two biggest hits in the world. Yeah. Happening <laughs> in the Western lifestyle industry yeah. today. Did you, ever, did you ever think that that would happen like that? No, I watched it evolve and I appreciate it. Yeah. How many more tens of thousands of bootmakers do we have now? Hat makers do we have now? Oh, man. Well, there used to be, what, two? Yeah. Now there's- and I've been with the Justin Boot Company off and on for 40 years. Wow. Yep. Who makes the best boots? What fits your feet? <laughs> Custom boots, James Finolio. Right up here at Bowie. Yeah. Phenom- phenomenal boot company. 
Um, I've got some boots that are prizes. I've got hats with Resist All and Bailey years ago. Bailey Hat Company. Really? Yeah. Um, that are pieces of art. Hmm. I've normally given most of them away and they sell them in charity auctions. Yeah. I used to take a pair of T.O. Stanley boots made in El Paso, 22 inches tall, 17 rows of stitches, split calf inside. It's like wearing a soft glove on your feet. And I'd sell, I'd say, okay, I'm going to give you one boot. See what you can get for it, five, 10,000. And when you get it sold, if it's not enough money, take it back. And I'll, if you get enough money for it, for your charity, I'll give you the other boot. It's <laughs> quite the incentive. Yeah. And they'd tell the story. Mm-hmm. Sell the boots, coats, oh. clothing. Thanks for your time, Cowboy. Thank you. Bob Tallman, thanks one more time for allowing us to come into your home and to uh, really just hear from your heart and kind of get an idea of who you are and, uh, and what makes you tick and the things that you hold true and valuable. Remember, theinterviewpodcast.org is where you can find this conversation and all the others we've had over the years and where you can help support the show. Thanks a lot for listening. We appreciate it very much. Have a phenomenal, phenomenal week, and we will see you on the next one. Goodbye.